0: Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to welcome you to Radiology Across Borders podcast series, The Rabcasts. In the next 30 minutes, we will be interviewing a leader in their field of expertise, an individual who through their skills has had a significant impact both locally and globally, and in many cases has shaped that conversation. My name is Suresh De Silva. On this occasion, I am delighted to introduce to you Professor Bruce Forster. Bruce is a professor at the University of British Columbia and recent head of the Department of Radiology and was previously the Director of Diagnostic Imaging for the Vancouver 2010 Winter Olympics and Paralympic Games. Professor Foster has been involved in the clinical, education and research aspects of sports imaging for 25 years and has delivered over 500 invited lectures globally. He is currently the lead radiologist for the International Olympic Commission Medical and Scientific Games Group. Professor Forcer is the author of over 150 peer-reviewed scientific publications and 130 ex- educational exhibits, and has served on the board of directors of the Canadian Association of Radiologists, where he is currently president of the Canadian Radiological Foundation. In 2019, he was awarded the gold medal of the Canadian Association of Radiologists and was runner up for the BCPSQC's Doug Cochrane Leadership in Quality Award. Bruce also serves on the Executive Steering Committee for the International Certificate for Radiology Fundamentals with Radiology Across Borders. It's a great honor to welcome Professor Bruce Forcer to this RABcast. Welcome, Bruce.
1: Well, thanks so much, Suresh, and it's my honor really to be uh, to be your second guest. It's a, it's a thrill, and I look forward to a uh, animated conversation.
0: Thank you, and I've got to say, on a personal level, I've known you for around probably two and a half to three years, and unfortunately, due to COVID, we haven't had the the opportunity to meet in person yet. But I do consider you as a friend, and a real privilege to be able to interview today. So very much looking forward to this. Now, as am I. there's a lot. To, thank you. There's a lot to talk about. So. I actually thought we would actually start at the beginning, before you became a radiologist, and your time before then. So from what I understand, I believe you were working as a general practitioner in northern Canada. What was that like? And do you believe that having that experience before radiology was of benefit to you?
1: Well, thanks, Suresh. You've got good intel there. Indeed, <laughs> I, uh, my wife and I, and my wife's currently an anesthesiologist, but we both did general practice uh, for a year after uh, doing an internship in Montreal, in McGill, and went up to a place called Yellowknife, which is in the subarctic uh, of Canada. And uh, then we uh, went from there up to the high Arctic uh, doing community visits. So it was extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary experience. Um, you know, first off, we were... Uh, uh, right out of school, uh, we needed. Uh, you know, we, our eyes were were opened in so many ways. Um, rural medicine. Uh, w- I came to realize what a challenge that is. How difficult it is to do to be a generalist. And I need mean a generalist in radiology, a generalist in family medicine, or or what have you, internal medicine. Um, it's really hard. There's a lot of things you need to know, um, uh, and so I respected. Certainly, came to respect that. Um, I came to respect the team approach because the nurses were such a critical part of uh, of, of the care in the Arctic, and of course everywhere. And I came to meet uh, Audrey, who uh, my colleague Pete Tonsis' mother-in-law uh, was a, uh, a, a nurse, um, a nurse clinician in a town called Holmen, uh, which is now called Uh This is a a village that is 250 miles south of Magnetic North Pole, and um, uh, really uh, amazing the work that the nurse clinician does in these communities as the only full-time medical caregiver that there is. So uh, mm-hmm. I learned a lot from Audrey, um, amazing person, um, as are all the other caregivers. So we'd fly up by by DC-3, an old uh, World War II plane, mm-hmm. uh, land on the ice, uh, using the snowmobiles. If it was at night, they would form mm-hmm. the runway, uh, lights uh, and we'd get out and we'd go into the clinic and see uh, lots of the citizens of the community, which might be two, three hundred people. And, um, uh, you know, what I came to also respect was the Indigenous people in Canada's north and their um, their respect for the lands, uh, it, which is harsh uh, and, and yet beautiful. Um, their ingenuity, um, their their family life. Uh, it was really an amazing experience to get to know firsthand um, my patients who were um, uh, in the communities like that. Almost all um, uh, Inuk or Dene, two of the uh, of the groups of First Nations. So, uh, in terms of radiology, you know, I, I there was a, a part time radiologist up there. So, uh, it, radiology wasn't consistently uh, available. We had to use um, other uh, uh, other centers such as Edmonton in the northern part of Alberta. But uh, we did some some amazing things like uh, dog sledding, which I'd never done before, (laughs) snowmobiling, which I didn't know much about. um, And uh, we lived the life, uh, uh, you know, in an Arctic town. It was fascinating and uh, really enjoyable. And it prepped us well, both of us, for our specialties in anesthesia and radiology.
0: That sounds like an absolutely amazing experience. And can I ask you how long you did that for?
1: Yeah, it was, it was nine months, and then um, we, we, uh, we, you know, we, we blew all the money that we earned and went to Europe <laughs> for three months. So <laughs> yeah. we, we figured that was a, a fair trade-off because we were about to start a, a four-year program in residency, so we thought we needed a little vacation, and uh, it was a, a great uh, punctuation mark uh, to
0: the year. One interesting crossing-off topic here, can you see the white lights up there?
1: So yeah, the Northern Lights are amazing. So the Northern Lights, Sorry, the Northern Lights another yes. highlight. So they're they're uh, we call them Northern Lights, and um, they're um, they're green, they're pink, uh, they are um, uh, you know yellow. The, the colors are amazing, and they shimmer. You know, you see you see pictures and videos of them, you think, oh, somebody's enhanced that, but they really do look like that. And hmm. we were fortunate because we were there for nine months, so we could see them a lot, whereas. Tourists would come from foreign countries, and they'd arrive for a week, and I might be socked in the whole week, and I never see the Northern Lights. So um, wow. that was amazing. I remember we went out to the High Arctic one time during fall, and fall or autumn in the High Arctic is one week long. So you got to get wow. there, you got to get there quick. Yes. and um, it is—it's uh, uh, the tundra turns this kind of maroon color. It's just extraordinary. Of course, wow. you have to deal with the light, and in the winter time, when we went to Holmen uh or uh, look we would be uh arriving you know in the dark at uh, 10 a.m and the sun would just come up above the horizon and go back down so it'll be dark in the winter time for the entire day pretty well wow. and then in the summer conversely it would be light the whole time so that's another thing your clock uh you know, gets rattled a bit shall we say your biological yes. clock with the time change
0: Sounds like an amazing experience. And the, one, on the, one on the bucket list for me at some point, for sure.
1: Yeah, it, it's definitely, it, it's definitely um, a bucket list thing to do. Uh, we plan to go back. I did go back once as a radiologist uh, a little bit later to Yellowknife, not to the, to the villages. But that was also a great experience. Hmm.
0: So, Bruce, after you um, entered into radiology, your ascension was very rapid at the University of British Columbia. You were first the head of training. And then you became the head of the MRI fellowship program. And I can remember when I was doing my fellowship around 2004, my colleagues, a lot of them wanted to do the fellowship program in Vancouver and they just couldn't get positions because it was so popular. And uh, I know that it's a very much sought after program. And then following on from that, in 2011, you became the head of department and were in that position for 10 years. I'm sure you would have had many memorable moments during those periods of time. Can you single out one or maybe a few that you particularly remember?
1: Absolutely, uh, Suresh. Yeah, it's been my privilege to to be part of the faculty of medicine at UBC for all that time. The faculty of medicine is is pretty well known. In fact, it was just another QS ranking and UBC faculty of medicine came in at number 24, just behind, um, uh, I think it was Duke and just ahead of NYU. So that's pretty good. And by the way, congratulations University of Sydney which was 14 on the list, which is really a tremendous wow, uh, achievement. Yeah, great, great <laughs> achievement. So, so um, you know, but it's been a privilege to 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 work with you know the dean and uh, who has great vision and uh, uh, is is a, it's just a terrific uh, inspiration to us all and at all the department heads and also faculty outside radiology, for instance, uh, biomedical engineering, um, faculty of applied science, uh, computer science as well. So the highlights I would say for me there's a couple I'll mention. One is um we started undergraduate training in radiology is super important because we need to inspire um the radiologists of tomorrow attract the best that we can uh, manage to and inspire them to uh, carry on our specialty at this high levels. So um uh, we started uh, working on the undergraduate program and developed a, a curriculum which is now uh, nationally, uh, the model, uh, for, uh, for undergrad training. And we, uh, we want to innovate. So we, uh, purchased through a donor, uh, a anatomy visualization table, which is a big iPad, basically three by five foot iPad that can either, uh, function as a table or be tilted up like a chalkboard. And what we did was we took this in the, in the gross anatomy lab, And so the students would do their dissection, which we still do at UBC. They would come by our station uh, each week and they would uh, see things that weren't possible to see in the dissection. Uh, Or we'd show them pathology. Um, For example, one of the most popular ones we showed in the abdominal section uh, during their gross, gross anatomy was uh, Domlyorg aneurysm um, with multiplanar and 3 d reconstructions, and they were just fascinated by that and its relationship to the other anatomic structures and you know radiology is uh, so much about anatomy and normal and pathologic, so this is a good opportunity to to get people excited so mm-hmm. what we found was that when we 've actually published a number of papers on this that uh, it actually ha- it does enhance their their learning and understanding of anatomy in an objective fashion. So um, it's really a, a, I think, a tremendous um, achievement, and it's actually Catherine Darris, uh, who you know, Suresh, yes. works with us in ICRF from UBC, and she's um, really the the lead on on this anatomy visualization table, and it's still um, still being used today um, in somewhat different ways with uh, a remote option too. So uh, that's one highlight, and I think it's been really great to to note that we've had lots of of additional applications from UBC because of of this kind of inspiring experience. The other thing is very recent, okay? And that is um, last year in 2021, we celebrated the 50th anniversary of the UBC Department of Radiology. So we're pretty young. Younger than yours truly, as a matter of fact. So, <laughs> uh, it, it, but it was a big deal. And what we did was we, you know, during COVID, it's hard to celebrate, right? I mean, uh, difficult to get together. So we did a series of... Um, of 50th anniversary lectures, a total of nine of them. In each case, the speakers were asked to uh, indicate the history of, um, of the Department of Radiology at UBC in, um, in that area of interest, for example, radiology or interventional radiology, um, or GI radiology, and, um, and then to discuss the state of the art uh, currently, uh, and then how AI might uh, impact that subspecialty. Uh, and in concert with this series, we're raising money for an AI research um, grant that we are uh, now um, uh, soon to be uh, re- awarding. So what was great about this experience was it allowed us to re-reflect on our our, our, uh, our history, um, going back to 1971. Uh, hmm. And it was a terrific! The lectures did an awesome job; they really did. Uh, we attracted 100, 150 people uh, on Zoom, which was great. Um, the dean attended the first one, introduced the series, and um, uh, really a, a, a very positive experience. And we're we're going to wind that up as long as as well as this fundraising campaign. Uh, we're also we are going to have a, a, a gala. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the heck with it. We're going to have a, a live <laughs> gala probably in September. We've booked, we, this is our third try. We've had two right. other dates, both yep. of which are canceled. But we're going to have a live event and we're going to celebrate, uh, award some gold medals uh, to some of the, uh, the historical figures and current stars in our department. And so, that, this, this experience of, of celebrating our 50th anniversary has been a real highlight for me. And um, I hope it develops that stronger sense of community. Mm-hmm. and legacy uh, within our department and in our learners.
0: Now that sounds like a very uh, special event and I'm hoping for you that COVID permitting that you can get that gala. I think it would cap it off very well, wouldn't it?
1: The whole, it the would, whole it would, it would. Yeah, we're, we're determined. We are not going to have, Suresh, a yeah. Zoom gala. That's not no. gonna happen. <laughs>
0: Look at the charity. We've 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 been planning to have our second gala dinner for several years, but we've put it off for the similar reason. So <laughs> yeah. I understand yeah, the exactly. trials and tribulations of all of this, but good luck with that. Yeah, Bruce, leading on leading on from that point in terms of your ascension and what you've achieved, I've been told that you were one of the pioneers of MRI at UBC and in within Canada itself. What was that like to be actually bringing this modality into the nation?
1: Yeah, well, what a what a privilege, hey! I mean, to be there at the right time, right place as MR came on the scene, it was really uh, very exciting. And uh, when I, I qualified as a radiologist in 1991, and so MR was just getting going. And I remember we had the second MR. Actually, I think it, Hammersmith had number one. radiology was in the top five. I think Philadelphia had number two. We were number three, something like that. Anyway, <laughs> we had a 0.15 T magnet. Mm-hmm. and uh you know it took an hour to do a brain mri and you got about 14 10 millimeter thick slices mm-hmm. the t2 itself took 28 minutes right? right but it was it was all of course you know burned on, on on film and um back in the day and but it was it was a revolution of course because there was no way to image the brain before that but but since that time you know it's been uh, again my good fortune to be part of the development of MRI in uh, you know, in Canada and, and, and beyond in terms of uh, the technology, the hardware, uh, working with the vendors, the software, in the same vein, um, the research. Uh, so we, we did uh, some of the first functional MRI in Canada. Um, it, at our center, we did some of the first MRI angiography. So although I'm an MSK radiologist, I do a fair amount of neuro um, mm-hmm. MR, of course, started off as a neuro tool, right? So that was where where it began. So I found myself doing a lot more neuro at that time. But then as it developed and and, and TIE became available on the magnet, uh, MSK, which is really my my first love uh, entered into the fray, if you will. And um, that was also a, a real exciting time to um, develop uh, things like, um, you know, the sequences for, for any joint, uh, MR arthrography. We really did some of the pioneering work in especially shoulder MR arthrography because our hospital is a quaternary center for shoulder in- injury. Um, so, so really, you know, sports imaging back in the 90s didn't exist. Uh-huh. Um, there was MSK and you know that's what you did and maybe there was a bit of sports imaging so what we you know but I've been privileged to be able to do is to de- help develop uh, you know the sports imaging as a subspecialty of MSK um, and um, one of the things we did along the way was we uh, we, I was asked by the Journal of Radiology the RSNA to uh, to edit a series of articles uh, this was being 2016, I think Suresh, um, on, um, on, on joint by joint, we a pediatric one as well, uh, sports imaging. And the, I know we're, you know, we may talk about this in a minute or two, but, uh, the editorial I wrote at the beginning of the series was called, um, uh, the radiologist as team leader in athlete healthcare. And I really believe that with the development of sports imaging, um, all the things we can do now that, um, radiologists, you know, people come to the MRI suite and the CT scanner and, uh, the interventional suite, et cetera, ultrasound, uh, facility to get answers in, 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 treatment planning for patients. So, uh, it makes sense in my experience in, in the hospital and at the Olympics, uh, is kind of in parallel. I mean, people come to you and want to hear what, Uh, you've seen that might influence patient care and it's a real really exciting to be part of that so um, you know at the end of the day the things that have that have been also remarkable to witness are the you know the shortened sequences so patients are in and out in 15 minutes sometimes 20 minutes Mm -hmm. great for for patient comfort the reduced noise uh, the sequences are much much quieter which is great Mm -hmm uh the bore uh mm. is larger, so that the claustrophobia still a problem in you know less than point five percent but much less so than it used to be because of the wider bore and uh you know in general, there's just like so many advances so that patients are more comfortable and better served um with uh specialized sequences and a more accurate diagnosis made cool. mm.
0: it sounds like it would have been an incredible experience in those early years and Uh, subsequent to that. That leads us to another question, which is more about present times, and you've already touched upon this. Artificial intelligence is something that's everywhere in radiology. There are obviously benefits, but there are also challenges for radiologists in the way that it affects our workflow and uh, our occupation moving forward. I'm interested to know from you, Bruce, about what you think about the role of artificial intelligence in radiology and how it may change the profession in the future.
1: Absolutely. So a great question, of course, Resh, uh, thank you for it. I enjoyed watching the first podcast where you talked with Christian about this as well. And, um, it's everywhere, as you say, um, you know, our clinical colleagues talk about it. Um, uh, our students, our learners talk about it and, um, it absolutely is on the hype curve. Okay. It's right at the top of the hype curve. It hasn't quite fallen down off off the crest. So, uh, you know, it is a lot of energy. Um, some of it is, is quite negative. Um, we've all heard the predictions made by non radiologists and, quite frankly, by non physicians some of the time that uh, you know radiology is going to be threatened as a as a as a specialty. I think that's absolute nonsense, um, and I think we're we're coming around to that now um because it is all about the patient it isn't just about um you know uh the sort of the you know the idea that uh, there's a the pilot is a computer um patients uh are unlikely to accept that based on some patient surveys including Jama Digital Medicine had a very good survey showing the patients who are uncomfortable they want um they want a human to be the pilot they want the radiologist to be the pilot and perhaps uh, AI serves as a co-pilot. You know, if AI can um, can improve care and uh, and in um, uh, big data can be uh, managed in a way that advances uh, our understanding of disease, then that's a fantastic, uh, I think, advance. So I'm excited about it. I'm not at all deterred by it. I'm not worried about it. Um, I, and I think that you know uh, we all need to embrace AI. And I think one of the things we need to do, uh, as I mentioned, we're we're raising money to develop uh, some research funds for AI. Radiologists need to be doing that research. I'm not suggesting we need to be you know uh, developing algorithms the ground up or uh, that kind of you know high level mathematics and engineering. But our role is critical and. The translational side, right? Um, you know, where, where's the need, you know, what needs to be done to help patients that that's our, uh, our expertise. So, uh, I think working together with computer scientists, biomedical engineers and, um, and the like, uh, will be great, a great benefit to patients. Uh, and the old that that, you know, um, that, uh, the people being left behind are the radiologists that reject AI, not the radiologists that um, that, that embrace it. And I think that's that's very true. Now, you know, what, what might it look like? Well, it might, might be then that the radiologist is, is in that pilot's chair, okay, receiving data from a number of different, uh, you know, sources, including pixel-by-pixel analysis, um, including, uh, you know, lab data that is uh, of higher order than we're used to, and that, that you know, we've... Heard these kind of predictions before, where the radiologist be helping to coordinate the care, much like I, I opined in my in my editorial for Radiology, uh, radiology a radiologist as a team leader. Okay, so I think there's that opportunity for. Us. So we have to, we but we can't be bystanders, right? We've got to be very active in this. We've got to be coordinated research. We get the grants. Okay, we've got to speak to patients, uh, reassure them that we're involved. And I think it's, uh, I'm really excited about it. It's going to be an amazing uh, number of decades ahead.
0: And mm. um, Bruce, I think the point that you make and you so articulately um, stated it is that it, we should think of radiologists as pilots and uh, AI as co-pilots. And, and I, I firmly agree with you. There was a lot of positives, but this idea that came out a few years ago that it was going to replace radiologists, I think is just a complete fallacy. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's been proven over and over again in the clinical setting. Um, and, Indeed. You know, and,
1: and if you look – sorry to interrupt, Suresh, if you look at the number no. of AI Sort of uh, platforms that are currently working, you know, in, in radiology doing um, sort of ground up um, diagnosis. It's relatively few. This is tough. It's 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 hard to execute, and uh, there are other issues: um, uh, policy, uh, licensure, medical, legal issues. And I'm fortunate to serve as the co-chair for the national. Um, uh, Council on AI for Canada. And uh, mm. we're looking at those things because the devil is in the details, right? Um, and we want, we want, um, we want uh, you know, uh, all the players at the table to discuss um, the implications of uh, a more vigorous AI uh, application and applications moving forward. And uh, we need to get ahead of that, right? Mm. Uh, all our countries, Australia and Canada and many others are... Um, are going to be involved in in the research and and, uh, indeed the deployment of AI solutions. And we need to be thinking ahead of what that means for the patient.
0: This is an additional question, which I wasn't planning to ask, but since you've raised it, uh, medical legal. So do you think this is going to be a challenge? I mean, this is a area which I haven't heard a lot about in Australia, I have to be honest. And since you're Part of the chairing committee on that, I'm interested to know what you feel about the medical legal issues of AI.
1: Right. Well, I think it's a huge topic, and I think we have to address it. We can't, you know, just ignore it. Um, who who is uh, going to be uh, ultimately responsible? Uh, is it the vendor? Is it the radiologist? Is it a combination? Um, And um, that's what we need to work out and we have, uh, on our council, we have have lawyers um, uh, and uh, we need to, this is a a chance for us as radiologists to, um, you know, to really discuss with a very broad community, um, these important points, right? Mm. Uh, So, uh, we're looking, you know, we 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 need to have some more some more things like white papers and policy statements about what we're going to do about the medical. So I refresh I don't have the answer right now. No, I'm but sure I think you, it's yeah. an area of you know, a, a really um intense study and we need to um uh to, to continue that and hopefully in the short order we'll we'll get some um so, some, some guidelines. Look forward to that information coming out.
0: Just changing the topic slightly. Everyone uh, that I've spoken to from Canada, the junior medical students, the senior medical students, values very significantly the opinion of people such as yourself in terms of, you know, career choices, you know, the future of radiology, et cetera. For any medical student who may be pursuing or thinking about pursuing a career in radiology, what advice would you give
1: them? Go for it. <laughs> I mean, I, I think three words sum it up. I mean… Um, I have never regretted a single minute of my career in radiology. You know, I, I remember when I was a a young staff person, a, a fellow, uh, one of my colleagues, uh, maybe ten years older than me, came up to me and said, "You know, well, welcome to this department." And I just wanted to tell you that there isn't a single day that I don't get up and look forward to coming to work. And mm. I, I felt exactly the same way, right? I mean, I think it's an incredibly um, uh, uh, you know, a career that gives back in so many ways. Uh, I, I consider radiologists to be the ultimate communicators. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, we need to make sure that our learners are, are, uh, are, are, you know, are educated in, in the best possible way to, to address that. So we're communicating with, with, with physicians, of course, all the time, we're communicating with administrators because, you know, our, um, our our equipment is really expensive, right? And so mm-hmm. you know, if you're in the hospital, you're talking to administrators all the time about about fundraising, et cetera. Um, we're communicating with patients, of course, um, and that's increasing. Uh, mm-hmm. Rather, you know, maybe twenty five years ago, the notion of a radiologist, you know, in the basement, in a dark room, and, and stuff is was pertinent, but that's just not not the case anymore. And we have to we have to make that clear, right? I think we have mm-hmm. been. Probably uh, guilty of not doing enough to promote our specialty, um, and, and in particular, um, you know, the patient interaction you get in something like interventional radiology or abdominal ultrasound or deceptical imaging, these kinds of things, uh, where we're talking to patients fairly regularly. Now, look at me wrong. I mean, we're not like a family doctor or psychiatrists, which is, you know, uh, much more patient or action. But I think the notion that there isn't any is, is false. Um, so it, there's there's lots to be excited about. Uh, I think the other thing that people get uh, perhaps put off by is the idea that you need to be a, a tech wizard to be – Radiologist, it's just not true as you and I know, mm-hmm. Suresh. I am <laughs> hardly <much>. that person. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. I mean it's great to have support mm. uh, from the because technology is a really important part of radiology. But mm. you know, you know, first off, you're a physician, right? Um, yes, uh, so that's where we need to uh, to concentrate. And, um, uh, the technology stuff, you know, yeah, you have to know baseline, but I, I, we, we constantly tell people, listen, if you're not a tech wizard, don't worry about it. That's not a requirement of of being a radiologist. So I would say to, to those candidates you mentioned who are interested, I would really encourage them. Uh, and I think radiology is going to play a bigger role in, in treatment planning as AI and other, uh, you know, uh, other new technologies are, um, are made available. Hmm. I'm going to just change the theme a bit now.
0: We've all grown up watching the Olympics over the years. I remember my first Olympics that I watched on television in 1976, the Montreal Olympics. Mm. And I remember being enthralled and pretending to be one of the runners running up and down the hallways. And then in 2000, we had the Olympics in Sydney. And I have to say they were amongst the most amazing two weeks in Sydney. They were; It was just an absolutely phenomenal period. The whole city just functioned. Uh, Quite unbelievable. But for most of us, it's been viewing it from a distance, being an observer of it. But it's different for you, Bruce. You're, You're in a very unique position amongst radiologists and doctors of being a part of the IOC imaging team. What is your role and how did you actually become involved?
1: Yeah. Uh, It's my pleasure to to uh, to address that question, uh, Suresh. So, um, one of my mentors, uh, his name is Jack Taunton. He's one of the sports medicine pioneers uh, in the world, and he was in Vancouver, um, and he was, uh, you know, trying to uh, to attract the Olympics to Vancouver, the Winter Olympics, and. um, he and many others were successful, and um, I'd worked with him in research and education and clinical work for years. So he invited me to be the head of radiology for Vancouver 2010 Olympic and Paralympic Games, and I of course took a microsecond to you know to accept that. <laughs> uh, it was an amazing um, experience. And like just like you say, you know, uh, th- there was two years of planning, two and a half years of planning. But when it came down to the actual delivery of the games, um, there was a lot of, of course, stress and tension, but it was uh, uh, an incredible experience. Vancouver uh, just, uh, you know, just like you, just like Sydney did, um, embraced the Olympics. It was positive energy everywhere. There was people breaking out in the national anthem on the mm-hmm. subway, right? You know, it mm-hmm. was uh, the city just uh, came alive. And Basically it changed Vancouver forever. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I do believe that. And uh, there's a sense of, of pride that, that maybe wasn't as strong before uh, and lives on to this day. So um, so that's how I got involved. And, and so during the Olympics, I took three months off of the Olympics and Paralympic Games that I, um, uh, and thanks to my practice group for allowing that because that was, a, again, a burden. And um, I, uh, I, I worked at Whistler and Vancouver. We had two clinics what's called polyclinics, an Olympic lingo. And I worked at both, although I spent most of my time in the Alpine area. So my, my work as a radiologist is musculoskeletal and also emergency trauma. I work in the emergency room at Vancouver General Hospital, which is a high-level trauma center. Um, we seeing the worst of trauma of anywhere in the province of BC. So it was perfect uh, for the Alpine Center because uh, you know, of the risk of serious injury because of sliding sports. Now we've tried to mitigate that as much as possible, but it's quite clear from the data, that the winter Olympics uh, have more serious injuries than the summer Olympics because mm-hmm. there's uncontrolled sliding on snow, right? It just goes to, mm-hmm. goes to, goes to, uh, make sense. So, um, uh, we, we, we addressed that in Vancouver with some equipment. We had, uh, CT scanners, which we use in the winter Olympics, but, but almost never in the summer. Um, mm-hmm. we had, um, some important uh, programs that were developed uh, to address uh, things like uh, ORs that are needed uh, for craniotomies, for thoracotomies. We had to be able to provide that Uh, at Whistler, which didn't have a hospital capable of delivering that. So we had to have a mobile unit to do that. So I learned an awful lot about field of play uh, medicine, as well as about imaging. And it was extraordinary time. And um, by the way, uh, Canada did win the gold medal in hockey. Okay, so that's important, <laughs> and, uh, uh, and and so that's a, an unforgettable moment for most Canadians. So the Paralympics, though, also incredible, really inspiring, uh, in an amazing way with these athletes that have had you know uh, a lot of challenges in, in their in their in their lives, let alone their athletic lives, and um, and seeing them perform at a high level, uh, and, and imaging them and seeing what you know if you like the, the record of their uh, of their challenges in imaging was really amazing and speaking to them and one of the things that, that I mentioned this this idea of radiologists being team leader I mean typically what would happen in Vancouver is we'd be in the polyclinic uh, interpreting an MRI the athlete the coach the trainer uh, would come in and we'd review the videotape of the injury we'd talk about prior injuries we'd look at the MRI And right there, you know, there'd be some decisions made. Return to play decisions, Mm -hmm. treatment decisions. An amazing example of coordinated care. Mm -hmm. Mind you, unrealistic, okay? I mean, you can't do that in every hospital or every clinic. There's just no time. But, uh, still it was, an inc- I learned a lot about, I would go into physio, uh, my daughter's actually uh, trained to be a physio. So I have a particular interest, uh, now, and I did then too, uh, I'd go into physio and see how our, our patient um, with a posterior lateral corner injury of the knee would be treated by physio prior to surgery. And I learned a ton there. So, um, it was a, it was a great experience in both Olympic and Paralympic games and something I'll never forget.
0: Sounds like an incredible experience, as you've indicated. And you've probably had many memorable moments from the Olympics you've attended. You've mentioned uh, Vancouver in 2010. So this is an extremely difficult question, but can you single out a particular moment or a couple of moments that stick in your head? As
1: yeah, 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 amazing. Uh, you know, it's it's a good question. I get I do get asked that. You know, uh, very frequently, and uh, and I, I have I, I you know some things stand out. So in, in Vancouver. I mean, I also went went to Tokyo, and there were some amazing moments there. I might This time, I might mention those. But um, my job in Tokyo is a bit different. I, I'm more not just imaging, but I'm part of uh, the Medical and Scientific Commission for the IOC. So it looks after basically quality control for all of medicine uh, at the Olympics, which is really a, a privilege. So um, one thing I remember, there was an athlete. And this is uh, I'm not divulging anything personal. This was covered by the media an athlete made, named Petra Magic, and she was a Slovenian cross-country skier in Vancouver, 2010. And during a uh, a training a run, she fell into a ravine and uh, fell down about, um, I think about 14 feet or 4 meters, wow. something like that, and broke her skis, snapped her poles, and injured her, uh, her, her chest wall. Mm-hmm. And um, she climbed out of there and somehow still made a time that allowed her to uh, compete in the semifinals, which were in close order, maybe the same day. So she, uh, she competed in the semifinals and, and won a bronze medal. But wow. at the end of the race, she collapsed and there was a lot of concern about her. So we brought her to the polyclinic and we, we imaged her. And she had five rib fractures and a pneumothorax on CT. Wow. So we uh, put a chest tube in. And, um, and told her, you know, we'd be happy to, to watch her, uh, for, uh, 24 hours at the polyclinic She said, well, you know what? That's not going to work for me. Uh, <laughs> I have to be at the medal ceremony. I won a bronze medal. I have to be there because this is the <laughs> first medal that Slovenia, where she's from, has ever mm-hmm. won in cross-cutting ski and I have to go. And so we, <laughs> we said, well, uh, okay, we'll, try to make that happen. We couldn't talk her out of it. So, you know, I'm sure that uh, very few of us actually watched that ceremony all way back in 2010. But uh, mm-hmm. she was on the podium and to her left was a physician, to the right was an emergency medical uh, officer uh, and she had uh, a, a, a chest tube in situ and uh, she got her bronze medal and it was incredible wow. courage. She, she wow. somehow you know, was able to uh, get a time that allowed her to finish third of the world with a pneumothorax and refractors. It's extraordinary, right? Yeah. So I think, you know, that that to me, you know, the, the the medical side notwithstanding, the reason I do the, you know, the work for the Olympic Games is got nothing to do with politics or, you know, any of that. It's got to do with um, wanting to provide an optimized medical – environment for the athletes so they can do their personal best and inspire us. And there's lots of examples of inspiration. And, and, um, uh, there was, uh, uh for example, you know, I, I've actually wrote and written down their names cause I keep forgetting, but one of the amazing events in Tokyo was when the two high jumpers, uh, were dueling for the gold medal, uh, Jim Marco and Mutaz Barshim from Italy and Qatar. And, um, uh, I'm sure you, many of your uh, listeners saw the, uh, the the moment where Jim uh, Marco said, uh, "We're tied. Can we both get gold medals?" Mm. And, yes, I and, did see and that. Yes, was yes, and, and it was like extraordinary. And they were jumping around, and they were so excited. And talk about sportsmanship, right? Um, it, it's really, really amazing. Uh, so, uh, t- to me, the, the, the sportsmanship uh, is, is an incredible um, uh, thing to witness as well. The village, the Olympic Village which has the slogan, peace, respect, tolerance in this world today. That's an incredible thing to witness and being in the Olympic village and walking around there and seeing the athletes from countries that may not be so friendly interacting with each other is, is amazing.
0: I could only imagine it would be an extremely, um, special experience every, every two years for you to have that. And can you name one Olympics that you most enjoyed? Or is that? Yeah, you have history. to
1: see Vancouver, right? I mean, having the Olympics yeah, in your hometown, Suresh, there's nothing like yeah, that. Yeah, great. Right? Plus, I yeah. got to do Paralympics, and I don't, I don't get to do Paralympics anymore because I work for the IOC and the International mm-hmm. Paralympic Commission is a different, uh, uh, different group. However, mm-hmm. I, I part of my my role in the um, uh, Medical and Scientific Commission is to do research. So uh, we're doing research uh, on the Olympic Games and uh, also on the Paralympic Games, looking at ways to make the sports more safe not just for olympic athletes this is way more than that this is for everybody mm. so you know if you're uh, if you're a cross country skier if, if you're an alpine skier if you're a, a figure skater um we have an extensive you know database of the injuries that the athletes have and we're constantly working to you know in ways to try to reduce those injuries for everybody not just for elite athletes so it goes well beyond uh, elite athletics
0: amazing it really sounds amazing i'm just going to change the topic again there's so much to talk about so outreach radiology we are radiology across borders of course and i think it's fair to say that the global reach of the charity is very significant now we're reaching all corners of the globe and i really do believe that a lot of that success has come from the very, very significant collaboration with the University of British Columbia, uh, particularly with regard to the International Certificate, which is a seminal degree, which I, I do believe is already, but will in the future, really redefine teaching in developing nations. Now, the the partnership there came through the visionary um, exploits of yourself and Pete Tonseth. You know, without the two of you driving the Canadian University of British Columbia outreach, and let's be frank, that's the... That's the main outreach in Canada, radiology. Without you and Pete, that would just not have been possible. Can I ask you what made you have the vision for outreach, outreach radiology?
1: Yeah, well, those are very kind comments, and it's, it's an. It, we're so. Uh, blessed to be working with you and your team at Radiologists Cross Borders, Fresh. I mean, we, uh, so, so how it all started, you know, when I was department head in 2011, I wanted to put a strap plan together, you know, in strap planning, it sounds so dull, you know, and nobody really likes it, but it's so important to do that kind of activity. Um, and, uh, so, as we discussed this amongst our our uh, our our department members you know it became clear that um an outreach program was really important why why was it so important well um not just to give back um to uh to nations that are low resource nations um and by the way we really think that the pacific rim is a fantastic match for us because that's where we are right mm. um not only that but also you know it really builds resilience and and community kind of spirit uh within the department uh it's a great uh a bonding exercise for the department to 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 get involved in um in outreach programs it's a bit selfish okay perhaps but i think there's there's definitely uh, an upside um in in that regard as well so uh We realized that uh there's other examples in faculty medicine at ubc where departments are doing this kind of work and radiology had individuals doing the work okay but not at the department level so that was our uh our vision to have a department-based program which could eventually involve learners as well as faculty and so we started um and pete tonseth is an amazing guy um a nuclear medicine physician radiologist who is uh, uh he could survive you know in, in the arctic as we were talking about probably for <laughs> 10 months with a stick and you know and a piece <laughs> of gum like the guy's amazing right so yeah, so he's he's so. a big adventurer and so uh, we started with africa and so we found uh, a liaison he went to Kenya and it was uh, it was only semi successful, and then the contact left. So we were looking for something, and we came. And then, then he went to the Philippines, and then we ended up um, uh, meeting your group and you, and you, Suresh. And it was such a what was great about that was that the infrastructure, and I, you know. I know I may be selling to doing an infomercial for you, but I, I really believe this. And <laughs> that is your infrastructure is absolutely first class. You know, your Thank whether you. it's a technology such as we're showing and you know, uh demonstrating today, whether it's the marketing of the programs, whether it's your 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 contacts, your, you know, your network in 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 the Pacific Rim is just amazing. And I was fortunate before COVID to do as you know, one visit, um, a live visit to Cambodia the problem pen, hmm. which was, again, so well done. All hmm. the details were taken care of, and uh, we had a fantastic time. And And that's what we hope to do. The ICF program is extraordinary. And, hmm. uh, and again, an, a, an incredible innovation on your part, you and your team, to come up with this certificate allows people that are in low-resource countries and, not, and other countries too uh, to learn about radiology in an accredited way right, and have certificates to show their work uh, and, and then deliver better patient care, right. And mm-hmm. so uh, th- that that's a, a huge, I think, value add in, in globally for radiology. So, uh, uh, but but yeah, w- w- we look forward as a department to ongoing collaboration, this and other new innovations, and hopefully we can plan some more innovations with you. And at the end of the day, those live visits, right, to these countries are it's kind of the the ultimate um, hmm. experience right uh, hmm. to be able to uh, to talk to people to help them feed on the ground with ultrasound or interpreting other imaging studies hmm. uh, understand their challenges, which are considerable uh, what hmm. a what a privilege so yeah uh, I, I think it's 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 worked extremely well for our department um, and uh, uh, Pete has a committee now we struck a committee a number of years ago uh, which is, you know, um, active and, uh, I suspect it will be, you know, passing the torch on to, uh, more individuals as time goes on. So we're very excited about this collaboration.
0: Yeah. Once again, thank you very much for all your kind words too, about the charity and our, uh, machinations and our operations, but, uh, having UBC and particularly yourself and, uh, uh Pete Tonseth, who's been amazing as well leading this has been uh, incredibly important for the charity and we're very appreciative and look forward to expanding that as we, as we move through the years. Absolutely. I'm going to ask you a little bit, little bit more about Bruce the person now. Tell me, Bruce, what, what do you actually like to do to unwind and relax?
1: Well, when I come home, I actually put radiology down for a while. <laughs> I think it's important to have work-life balance. So we all talk about that. Yeah. So, um, so you know, I do a lot of sports. As you can tell, I'm a sports imager, so I like sports. So um, I uh, used to do a lot of running. I loved running, but I had to get a hip replacement maybe from too much running. I don't know. But mm-hmm. So no more running for me, but I've replaced it with, uh, you know, with cycling. Uh, road Mm -hmm. bikes and mountain. And, um, like, love to do that. Love Strava going on that Mm -hmm. Another free advertisement for them maybe, but very cool (laughs) community there. And then, um, uh, we do a lot of downhill skiing and cross country because of, uh, snowshoeing too, because of proximity to Whistler and other mountains too, by the way, around Mm -hmm. Vancouver. Um, you must come and visit those uh, listing and uh, experience the winter (laughs) Uh, in so many options. And, um, Golf. Uh, golf is something, you know, in the last 10 years I've taken up and, oh boy, there's a long way to go. My goodness. So <laughs> I'm playing tomorrow and I'm already anxious, you know, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's a lot of fun. And um, yeah. so uh, aside from that, my, my wife and I, um, Kelly, both really in, enjoy cooking. Uh, we do a lot of cooking. We, we enjoy uh, uh, visiting places like wine country. We've been to the Hunter Valley and uh, Australia mm-hmm. and Barossa. Okay and yeah. uh we we enjoyed the food and wine scene um and uh we have, we have one daughter taylor as i said who's um in physiotherapy just finishing up and we thoroughly enjoy interacting with her and finding out what the gen z is thinking these days um <laughs> i also um also uh play the drums and sing in a mm. band which uh there'll be no demonstration of in this podcast that's for sure but uh <laughs> it's a it's a great release i would played music all my life and yes. um we, we we play all sorts of stuff it's it's it, you know it's been really tough in covid there's been no yeah. gigs and if there's no gigs you, you just don't practice as much but we're hoping yeah. to maybe play at this gal I was telling you about, so we have something yes. to look forward to and maybe get rolling on on dusting off some of those tunes and trying some new ones. So, yeah, that that would be a synopsis.
0: I, I look, I, I heard that you played in the band, and I was actually very interested to actually find out a bit more about it. So, are you actually up front leading, or is it is it playing the drums, or where exactly? Yeah, are so you so the, in the band,
1: band again, uh, you're not not that the band travels anywhere outside, you know, or our our you know few square miles around our homes yeah. but it's called barcode and uh there's no website <laughs> it's pretty amateur but uh i'm um you know i i sing lead in about maybe a quarter of the songs the mm-hmm. other three quarters are, are are shared by two guys there's four of us uh, there's keys there's a uh, lead guitar and um bass and drums so mostly i'm singing back you know backup and uh, playing the drums and um it all started you know I think storytelling is a hugely important part of life. And so I I always enjoy telling stories. So my story about the drums is that I never played them before. I played brass instruments and stuff when I was younger. So for my 60th birthday, which was not that long ago, um, I decided I wanted to have a party and there was an existing band called the Radiation. As a matter of fact, very good, very good (laughs) band in Vancouver, made up of radiologists. And, um, I I, uh, I I asked him if I could sit in and play some songs and the drummer was very gracious and said, absolutely. So for my birthday, we rented a, a big restaurant and I played for the first time, I took lessons on YouTube basically mm. and <laughs> uh, managed to, to carve out, you know, eight tunes and it was an incredible wow. experience. So that's what propelled me to continue mm. to, to, to learn drumming. Um, and uh, it was, it's been great ever since. So, Yeah. Are you on Spotify? No, nope. <laughs> we well, can barely get up in the morning. Okay, as a band, <laughs> we barely get up in the morning. We 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 have to, you know, schedule practices at the last minute, and you know, it's all of us are working full time. You know, it's it's a, yeah. but it, it's a, on the other hand when we get together, it's an absolute delight. We have the best yeah. time, and uh, yes. so you know, it's 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 really a celebration. Really, you know.
0: Well, I, I think something we'll be looking forward to in the future. Seeing you on Spotify. Well, yeah, we'll,
1: we'll we'll we've got we're working on a number of things. Um, in, in particular, uh, we you know we play things like Steely Dan, we play Van Morris, and we play even the Clash. So uh, yes, and I like the Killers a lot. So you know that's another area we're working on. Yeah. So we'll see what the future holds.
0: <laughs> Look, leading on from that, we're going to end with our magic minute. So this is a. Uh, this is a RAB thing where we once again like to get to li- know a little bit more about the interviewee, more about what they do socially. You've already given us a little bit of an idea, but more so than the profession and the career, which is obviously you've achieved an incredible amount. So it goes for a little bit more than a minute, but what I'm going to do, I'm going to ask you two types of questions. One is a open-ended type of question. And the other is one which you have two choices and you've got to choose one of them. Now, if you don't want to right. answer any of them, all you've got to say is pass and we'll move on to the next one. Okay, so I'm just going to turn my egg timer on. So just give me a moment. Okay. So Bruce Forster, your time starts now. Bruce, what is your favorite book?
1: Uh, I would say probably that's, that's a tough question. There are, are many candidates, but mm-hmm. – um, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass on that one because I can't think of the exact number oh, no. one. Uh,
0: there's probably too many. Your favorite movie? Can you tell me a favorite movie or two of yours?
1: Sure. So I would say Apocalypse Now was my favorite movie, Francis Ford mm-hmm. Coppola. But in the seasonal side, um, you know, it's A Wonderful Life. We watch it every year. It's amazing. Right.
0: You probably answered this. You've given me a few bands, but who, if you had to pinpoint one band, who would be your favorite band?
1: Yeah, that's. I mean, I really do like Elton John a lot, but I'll go with the Killers as a band.
0: Mm-hmm. What is your favorite holiday destination?
1: Oh man. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I you know I love Australia. Yeah, you know yeah, I've been terrific. There Looking times. forward to seeing it. you here soon. <laughs> do I get points for that? Right. <laughs> oh, you do. Uh, you do. <laughs> I, I would say we love Europe, and mm-hmm. I would say Italy uh, and France would be our two favorite places. Mm-hmm. Do you prefer wine or beer? Easy one. I do drink beer, but I prefer wine. Mm -hmm. Sushi or steak? Can you answer both? I mean, I love both. (laughs) I mean, I'll double up on both of those.
0: We'll take both as an answer. We have
1: amazing sushi in Vancouver. Another reason to come and visit.
0: No, definitely we'll be there. Would you rather have one hour with Barack Obama or Wayne Gretzky? Oh,
1: boy. That for a Canadian, that is a super hard question. <laughs> that's why I, I
0: thought of that one.
1: I know uh, in Wayne Gretzky. I don't know if your audience is like probably the greatest hockey player yeah, in the, the world. Mm. Um, uh, you know, as a sports guy, you know, listen, I respect Barack Obama hugely, but I'm going to have to go with a Wayner.
0: Wayne Gretzky. That's fine. I think that's more than reasonable decision. Would you rather drive a fast car on a winding mountain road in Italy or bicycle through Provence? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, boy both idyllic you know I mean oh my god do you know where I got that question from i go with Provence I go with Provence I think there's a lot less carbon footprint with Provence uh, cycling.
0: terrific ice cream in a cup or in a cone
1: well as one gets older one ditches the cone and goes for the cup so I'll go with that
0: (laughs) and finally Facebook or TikTok
1: (laughs) Uh, I, you know, this is like having to sort of confess my my, my, my <laughs> whole life here. So uh, I I do spend a lot of time in TikTok, and I think it's pretty interesting stuff. Uh, in particular, you know, the some of the skiing stuff, the surfing stuff is unbelievable. So mm-hmm. uh, and, and amongst is also great recipes on TikTok. It's not just what most people think of. Um, so I'm going to go with that.
0: You know we do get a lot of following on this podcast series so you've actually just devalued the share price of Facebook by a lot there but but TikTok it is TikTok it is Bruce Forster Professor Bruce Forster it's been an absolute pleasure absolute pleasure interviewing you today as our second guest on the rapcast series you've you've told us so much about so many different areas and I I, I do know that there are a lot of people who would very much like to know about a career radiology what it's like to be in the Olympics and to know a little bit more about a person who really has uh, been been the guiding influence for radiology in UBC and Canada for so many years. So it's an absolute privilege and also it's been an absolute privilege working with you on all our work at Radiology Across Borders. We really do hope to continue that association for many years moving forward and thank you from all of us
1: here. It's a pleasure, and I would like to again thank my wife and daughter for their support during these years, and there's been many 25, 30 years of hard work, and my wife has her own career, which she's um, an amazing quality expert in anesthesia, so fantastic stuff, and Suresh, it is it has been our pl- privilege to, and, and, and as you said, the timing in some ways uh, couldn't have been much worse in terms of you and I meeting <laughs> amazingly uh, outside of Zoom. That's never happened, but I'm yes. really hoping that that'll, that'll change and um, look forward to, uh, to meeting all the members of your team um, mm. and, uh, and, and in, in really strengthening further this collaboration, which has been so successful.
0: We really look forward to it. Thank you very much, Professor Bruce Forster, for being our guest on The Rapcasts. Good night. My pleasure. Please subscribe to The Rapcasts' channel on your preferred podcast subscription service. And please consider leaving a rating and a comment to let us know what you thought of this episode. To find out more about Radiology Across Borders, visit our website at radiologyacrossborders.org and follow us on LinkedIn to stay up to date with the latest happenings at the charity. We hope to have you join us and look forward to our next episode.